0: War boys, hello good evening
1: <laughs> good evening how are you doing
0: happy Monday I'm doing well um, ladies and gentlemen welcome to Monday Night Live drop in the comments let us know where you're tuning in from we normally have a bit of a global audience at Monday Night Live let's say hello we want to make this session as interactive as possible very fortunate tonight to have Cat Warboys who heads up marketing at HubSpot for Australia and New Zealand joining us HubSpot's one of the um, companies I've learned <laughs> I've learned more about marketing from than I have from my <laughs> university degree. <laughs> Kat, Kat um, how, uh, when did you realize that, um, when did you become a marketer? Did you study marketing as well?
1: I did not um, and HubSpot probably <laughs> helped me quite a bit <laughs> prior to joining. Um, no, that's, no, it's a funny question. I actually didn't really consider myself much of a marketer for quite some time Um, when I sort of got into the industry I accidentally kind of fell into it my first job was in an agency consulting in marketing automation using uh, Marketo using Salesforce and I was just like what is this this is not what they teach you to your point about marketing at university so I really was you know going in building automation, kind of just learning as I went. And uh, yeah, I just knew that I really liked it. Um, And it wasn't sort of the marketing that I covered at uni. Um, I did a a degree in like international tourism business, which is quite random. Um, And it had a module of marketing and it just, yeah, certainly didn't prepare me for what marketing is actually like today.
0: Yeah. And and what do you think about how marketing is evolving um, these days? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, what's good about it, where the challenges are. What do you think of the marketing industry at the moment?
1: Yeah, um, I think what's probably kept me in it for almost a decade now um, is sort of how fast it moves. It's such a fast-paced um, space at the moment, um, and really, really interesting, evolving quickly. Um, and I think what I what I loved about it early on was, you know, with the explosion of tech in the in the space it really started with marketing automation before it kind of went into sales enablement and and today more commonly you know customer success it was sort of like a case of If you had the smarts to look up how to do something, the technology was becoming accessible and affordable enough that, you know, you could create a website and an email nurture uh, and some basic automation in a day. You know, it was becoming that accessible and it became less about, you know, how much advertising budget do you have to be successful in this space to more about, you know, the size of you know your brain how smart you can be uh with the resources that were coming out and everybody was kind of learning about it uh, and the best practices were coming out um left right and center and it was just a really exciting time and i think it continues to be that way it's really gone down more of a path there's more choice than ever before and a lot of these platforms yep. and apps um yep. which i think is you know only a good thing for businesses today um I guess more to your point on what's wrong with it, um, I love marketing. I love the space. But I think one of the challenges that's been kind of building up over the last couple of years with marketing is, is this idea of trust. Um, when And we think about trust in terms of obviously data uh, protection um, and how marketers and organizations are actually using that. Um, And I think the ways it shows up is in, you know, where you feel like you're being spammed or when you get that communication from a company and you think, "Mm, how did, I don't even remember signing up to them. And it's caused a lot of mistrust in consumers, which I think is is really sad. Um, There was a stat that I was using a lot in presentations a couple of years ago. um, And I still think it's kind of relevant today, but it was essentially surveying about almost a thousand people. It was a HubSpot survey. And it sort of was asking, you know, what professions do you trust? And of course, like, 90% 90% of people were trusting like the doctors and the firefighters and then like 1% of people trusted uh, politicians and then you had salespeople at 3%. So 3% of survey respondents trust salespeople. Do you want to have wow. a guess where marketers was at in that range?
0: Well, I I got no idea. I, I, I imagine it'd be higher than salespeople. <laughs>
1: I really wanted it to be, but unfortunately it was exactly the same as 3%. Wow. And I just remember thinking, wow, like I didn't, no no offense to salespeople, <laughs> right? But there are stereo, there are stereotypes that exist. And I, I just didn't yeah. really think that that's where we were at. And I think that was really, really telling. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a lot moving forward today in terms of data privacy and legislation we really started to see that kick off with gdpr um, and then even more recently all of apple's changes um on the IS, uh, ios 14 update so i think it's all really positive i actually think that's moving in the right direction i think it's going to present a lot of challenges to businesses to navigate that that have become reliant on certain channel tran- channels or tactics but I think where it's heading is into a space of, you know, by default, people are opting in rather than having to opt out. And I think that can only be a positive thing, and I think that's really going to raise the bar of marketers today and the kind of marketing that we're seeing from companies.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, HubSpot's growth journey has been very inspiring. Um, <laughs> List on the New York Stock Exchange in <laughs> 2015, wasn't it? Is that right? Uh, when it IPO,
1: I, I think it was 2014.
0: Yeah. Um, and, And you're much more than just a CRM now, aren't you? You mentioned a few of the things before we went live. What are some of the other things that HubSpot now do?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think what we're most known for and where we started out was really a marketing software for small businesses. Um, And that was really born out of this theory that our co-founders, Brian Halligan and Damesh Saar, had, which was around this, you know, this concept that surely there's got to be a better way to market your business. And it's not a case of who's got the biggest budget and, you know, mass advertising. Um, And so they kind of... um, they kind of came up with the inbound concept, which was most commonly known as inbound marketing, um, which is really a, a better way to market your business. One that doesn't involve interrupting people um, and being really impersonal. It's the complete opposite. You know, it's about being targeted, intentional, helpful uh, to your audience. And it's a concept that evolved really, really well. I think they realized pretty quickly this isn't just marketing, uh, inbound marketing. It's, it's it's how we sell. It's how we service customers. So HubSpot's really kind of come along on this trajectory where we were a marketing platform for small businesses. We are now a free CRM at our core, completely free for scaling businesses. And that built around it has the marketing hub, a sales hub, as well as customer success. Um, We also have a CMS, standalone CMS hub, and more recently an operations hub as well. Um, And really kind of expanded through the tiers so we can support businesses, whether they're at that startup sort of phase or all the way through to, you know, very much a scaling, um, scaling business.
0: Hmm, and you're doing so much on the front end that is free and supporting um small businesses um you know the 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 blog <laughs> the podcast you've got hubspot academy all this stuff's free and it's some of the best information that you can come across on the internet like sometimes quite often if i'm looking for a, to find, learn more about something in marketing or even it, to do with business, I quite often will search what I'm looking for, and then I'll add HubSpot to the end to see if you guys have got anything <laughs> on that. <it. laughs> you know, because I know it'll be valuable. But I mean, the amount of resources that you guys are investing in, in providing all that free content, um, like how, how does a small business owner decide how much resource to put into things like content marketing and assisting people through the customer journey before there's even actually a transaction there?
1: yeah um for sure um you've kind of raised a good point i have sort of 15 years old now we we've really led the way in terms of content so we have quite a unique um, content r- library today. You know, everything from you said the blog, which is where it really started, you know, the founders had to find a way to communicate and educate this inbound concept. So that's everything started with content. Um, so we do have quite a big engine today. Our blog receives over 7 million uh, visits monthly, um, wow. which is huge. Um, we have the Academy, um, which is our sort of free online um, learning center. So yes, and we've got podcast networks. It's it's really, really evolved. Um, and I think that's because we practice what we preach a lot. You know, we we really believe in delivering value before you try to extract value. Um, and that's the way I'd encourage small business to think about it as well. Like you don't have to, you're not gonna fail just because you're not getting seven million visitors on your blog every month or you've not got that kind of resource. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be working at HubSpot if I didn't believe in content. And I think content has so many different purposes. So in terms of how small businesses should think about creating content, yes, you absolutely should be, but it's more about like what's your what's your Goal with the content, which is what we try and encourage people uh, who are thinking about creating content to always come back to. You know, um, for many marketers, it would be to generate leads. It could be brand awareness. It could be to service your existing customers. You know, maybe you have a complex product that requires a bit of, quite a bit of you know education. Um, maybe it's to build trust. Maybe you're new to the scene um, and you really need to build that trust and authority. You know, content has um, so many different purposes and. In terms of how much to create or what to create it's really kind of like where are you at now in your business I kind of start from where you are and, and what's the way forward and just because I think many many marketers are, are really you know we've, we know from our most recent state of marketing report the top priority for marketers is to um, generate leads this year so mm-hmm. if we were to use lead generation as an example the big question we often get was how much content do I need to create that? And I actually think that's a bigger question around understanding your sales and marketing funnel, right? Because we just really want to reverse engineer things. If we know that we have a revenue goal and we take our average sales uh, price, we know that, say, we need 100 customers to, to meet that revenue goal, right? If you've got a content machine already in place, you'll be able to say, well, okay, what is my lead to customer conversion rate? it's about 50%. So to hit a hundred customers, to hit that revenue goal, I'm going to need 200 leads. So what is your content currently delivering you in terms of lead generation? How's that performing? How much do you need to sort of start to excel that um, to meet those new revenue goals? So we always kind of want to apply a little bit of common sense, logic, um, and I guess science to this, to kind of come at it with the most sort of informed approach to what we're creating content for and how much of it we need.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. I I think... You know, as was just talking there, I, I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, a lot of the problem with small businesses is not necessarily the volume of content, it's just being strategic about it. So that content is actually moving people down the funnel. And it's not just more content. <laughs> We've got enough yeah. content, really, haven't we? <laughs> it's yes. got to be converting
1: and if anything yeah. yeah definitely consider the quality and also just what's realistic for your business as it is now like if it's not realistic for you to be pumping out like 10 posts a day whatever it might be like then that's also just not the case so yes but there's many people who just sort of think oh i have to create content i'll pay a freelancer just to start creating some content so it's probably a, a, a bit of a doomed way to start
0: yeah yeah it's an easy way to waste a lot of time um i just want to say hello to a load of few people here we got panda who's tuning in from india we've got ian yeah. over in melbourne tuning in and another Melbourneian, ben how you doing amber from cape town we've got more oh, people wow. from india here somebody from bangladesh tuning in we've got hugh grover's in the house <laughs> <laughs> sitting at dinner at port lake douglas see this is this is what happens people watch monday night live over dinner
1: <laughs> must be uh, an uneventful dinner <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's your here. here is over in face on facebook <laughs> james gilbert <laughs> there we go there we go Anyway, i just want to say hello guys as we're going feel free to drop in your questions especially you hugh while you're having dinner i'm sure a few things will come up <laughs> <laughs> um so since you started your career in in marketing whether it be at hubspot or elsewhere what's the biggest challenge you've had to over- overcome that perhaps you could share with us
1: Oh wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I could think of many um, learning curves in campaigns, but um, you know, I don't know. We could go several ways with this. I, I, I think, I honestly actually think the most challenging thing in in my career today and continues to be is actually you know managing people managing uh, a team and not because they are a challenge because they challenge me consistently. And I think, you know, every time you add somebody new to the team, it's a completely new dynamic. And I think learning, you know, learning how to manage um, and what that looks like uh, per an individual basis has been super, you know, a real big learning curve uh, for me. Um, Campaign wise, I think, you know, the last, the last 14 months has probably been a massive learning curve, right? Like a yeah. lot of what we were doing was turned upside down and I'm certainly not unique in that. Um, I think the way we got around a number of challenges was really sort of leaning on our team, allowing them to find their way and their expertise. I think, I think when everything kind of went remote and upside down, uh, a lot of people to navigate through that felt like they needed more of a sense of control on things. So you've got managers kind of like starting to micromanage and need those check-ins because everybody's remote and we can't see and what are we doing? And mm. I actually think that's probably one of the worst things we can do to help people navigate uncertainty and change and actually trust our people and give them that kind of leeway to experiment, to come to the table with ideas about how we're going to pivot and change uh, and support them um, is really key in all of that.
0: Yeah, uh, and how how, how did um, how did you uh, find the impact of COVID and so on, and, and has that changed? You know, it, well, we're just over a year on um, now. You know, um, mm. has your has has HubSpot's approach on things changed in the last year, and how's it how's it impacted your business?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it just emphasised more of what um, we sort of really fundamentally believe in at HubSpot, which is to provide value uh, before you try to extract it. And during COVID just was not the time to extract value from people, right, to make those asks. And so um, I'm quite proud of of HubSpot and to be working in a place like HubSpot to do so Considering they did some of the stuff they did, which was you know we recognized and we were in a very fortunate position. Like transparently, right? We were uh, we're a platform that helps people take their business online, and there are a lot of businesses that suddenly needed to go online. So far from sort of take um, benefit of that or or take advantage of that, we did a lot in terms of bringing sort of paid features that were in our paid products down into free. So suddenly businesses that needed to respond quickly who had uncertain futures, especially in the small business space, actually had more tools um, in the free suite to be able to use and get online and actually respond and communicate with their audience about the changes. So that was one of the big things that we did. Um, We then, you know, we've got a big, big um um, value at HubSpot in terms of learning, not just for our employees, but also our audience as well. We really try to take them on that learning journey with us, as we know, through the blog and through the academy. Um, and so we really lent more into that. We released um, a weekly webinar series called the Adapt Campaign that was covering a lot of the issues that people were facing because of COVID. You know, okay, you had a physical event. How are you going to take that event online? And we would interview experts. So we really sort of doubled down on the content and trying to help businesses navigate how to do that, you know, how to have a remote set Sales team, lots of things people hadn't had to navigate um, at all, mm. but we're now having to do it overnight. So we doubled down on content. Um, and, and I think what else was really interesting, um, at least from my standpoint as a marketer, is we wanted to understand what impact was this actually having on businesses. And with, you know, over 100,000 customers, we were in a really unique place where we could look at the aggregated data of our customers to see what was going on in the business. You know, what was going on to their website traffic? Were they sending more emails to their customers? How were those customers responding to those emails? What was happening to like sales pipeline? All these things we really wanted to know. And so we released this weekly um, data set to say, you know, what's happening to all these all these core business metrics um, and we made that public so people could understand you know what were other companies doing what were the trends we were seeing and yeah. it was really interesting because um, what we saw was marketing were creating you know more content um, in businesses they were they were communicating more sending more marketing emails to their audience um, and the engagement went up massively so we're sending more emails engagement goes up yeah. Interestingly, sales do the same thing. They start sending more emails, but the engagement drops massively. So, you know, our takeaway in those first couple of months for for businesses really was like over communicate, add value where you can, support your customers. But now is probably not the time to really push and be salesy and try and, again, extract value, right? Um, yep. And saw a lot of really interesting trends like, tr- like that over the time. Um, I think the sales pipeline definitely started to improve as, you know, Australia was sort of coming out of that first wave. Um, it's been a bit inconsistent since because I think different states have gone into lockdowns at different times. But above all, like even since the pandemic started, you know, the average website visits um, for our customers is up 80% compared to pre-COVID averages. Um, chat, on-site chat was really interesting, the number of conversations. So people obviously wanted to come to the website and understand very quickly, you know, what their options were in terms of, you know, changes to products, services. Chat went up by something like, I think at its all-time high, it was in the 50, 50%, and that was quite recently. So even, you know, a year and a bit on from COVID, all of these digital trends are just continuing to accelerate, um, which I think says a lot about you know this new era of digital um, that we have um, entered, and lots of small businesses yep. that were kind of putting it off for a long time uh, suddenly couldn't really do that any longer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm also curious to find out a bit more about um, like because virtual selling is something that comes up up a lot in the conversations I have with different businesses and I was speaking to somebody at LinkedIn about this um, and it's an area which you guys are doing quite a bit in isn't it and I've just started to actually I've I've delved into um, one of the certifications you're offering at the Academy about sales sales enablement Um, it's a relatively relatively new concept isn't it Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how you can use technology to support the sales side of things
1: Yes, um, I'm a big fan of the sales enablement area. It was actually my first role at HubSpot when I joined. Um, So I joined in a sales enablement capacity. So um, yes, I love love this space quite a bit. I think it shaped me a lot as a marketer today to really empathize with with sales teams. yeah, I think sales enablement has really sort of exploded in the last couple of years. Um, and as I said, you know, we, we coined the term, you know, inbound marketing, and it, it didn't take long for us to work out that there was a better way to sell as well. And we could do inbound selling as well. So this is, again, thinking about how marketing and sales work together, how we generate leads for the sales team. So they're actually calling people who are already interested and want to hear from us and your business, as opposed to just sort of that, you know, cold calling out of the blue. And so, in terms of sales enablement and sort of, you know, teams going remotely, the technology has really come at a great time. Um, you really can be a remote sales rep. A lot of our sales team are remote at the moment in Australia. We don't have anybody in the office. Um, and it's something, you know, we've done we've done for years even when we were in the office. We didn't really have an outside sales team. So um, when we think about sales enablement, at least from a marketing perspective, you know, outside of of training, we're really trying to optimize the sales reps day so that they actually have to do as little administrative work as possible. And they can actually do what they do best, right, which is selling. So not, finding, you know, the next lead they're going to call. And that comes a lot with, I think, data enrichment. It comes a lot with really making sure, you know, all of those interactions that are happening with prospects, what they're doing on their website, you know, the academy course they're looking into, all of that is captured. So Mm -hmm. sales reps have super rich information. We can set up notifications that are really timely. Um, You know, we've had a lot of fun experimenting with sales notifications at HubSpot. We used to just let reps know that somebody wanted to hear from them via email reps get how many emails a day, like they weren't getting to them. And we know that our chances of closing a deal are much higher the quicker we respond uh, to an inbound lead so we actually did a lot of experiments around um, slack notifications because slack is an instant channel our reps are already in there you know chatting about their weekend and dogs and whatever so to actually start getting uh, automated slack messages um was really effective um and we found that our work rates with our sales team um, improved dramatically you know we we want our reps to follow up with all of our inbound leads as quickly as possible, um, ideally in a 24-hour period. And that really um, improved when we were trying these different notifications. So yeah, I think sales enablement tools are in a place where the tools do a lot of a he- heavy lifting for sales reps. Um, we can automate a lot of their processes. Um, logging calls. I love Gong is another tool. I'm just going to give a okay. quick mention to you. I think it's fantastic in terms of coaching um, sales teams um, and, you know, taking that Manual administrative tasks out of their day, so that, that reps can actually focus on what they do best, which is of course selling.
0: Yeah, and um, so what are you um, what are you working on at the moment? What are you passionate about right now? If you had to um, focus on one area,
1: yes, um, we're focused <laughs> on a couple of big things at the moment. Um, uh, the first one would be our, our uh, grow event, um, which yep. normally is an in person event course it's not at the moment unfortunately um and we were really excited to be experimenting with a hybrid version of events um I think that's mm. a really interesting concept even after you know we're allowed to go back in person I think hybrid events you know are interesting because with the on with an online platform you can really get reach and scale right um we're never going to have that same kind of connection that we have when we're in the room with somebody but i just sort of think you can serve different audiences so if you have your online platform we're really solving for scale for reach you know education that people want when they come to our events. Whereas our in-person events should really be sort of a bit more targeted and intentional. Those people that are a bit more you know, um, qualified that wanna come and talk and connect to our teams as well. So I think there's a lot of like interesting things that will come from hybrid events, um, but we are currently working on our um, online event. It's happening on September 2nd. If you wanna check out Grow ANZ, uh, we've got some great speakers lined up and uh, yeah, pretty excited about that. We've evolved that event quite a lot over years.
0: Okay. So um, a second. Check it out. That's it.
1: Yeah. Get your you,
0: are, are, do you still do inbound every year?
1: We do, yep. Yeah. So if uh, anybody here is familiar with inbound, um it's it really has got, got grown into quite the event. It happens in Boston, but we took it online last year. And okay. uh they managed to, you know, come up with a fantastic online platform. Like, it's amazing with online events. You know, we can, you can actually build an avatar. You can walk into rooms to do networking and engage with sponsors. And, you know, it's really wow. like some of the experiences that they've built is incredible. And we're, we're actually going to be using that same platform for grow in September. So um, pretty excited to do that. But, That's yes, awesome. Inbound is, is still happening and going ahead.
0: So, uh, okay, let's shift gears for a minute here. I want to talk a little bit about... Um, HubSpot Academy, uh, I mentioned that I've delved into it. And I've made a start on a few of the courses, actually. Um, but can you tell us about uh, well, what it is, how the idea came about? Um, who's it who is designed to help and um, just a bit more information for those listening, because I think it's a, I think it's an awesome resource that, you know, there'll that, be a lot of people tuning in that, that, it, that it could be a lot of value to that may not have checked it out yet.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It is a fantastic resource. Um, The Academy is essentially our free um, learning center. And it launched in um, 2012, about six years after the company was founded. And it was really an extension of the blog by that point, right? We were having great success with the blog, educating people. And it was kind of like, how can we take that to the next level? And so the idea of courses and certifications and online learning was really like the next phase of that. And that's what the Academy is all about. And the topics we cover has really grown as we've diversified the products. So marketing, sales, customer success, because we have a CMS, we've also got um, lessons and courses on there for um, web developers, web designers. Um, So it's really evolved over time. We've got about over 300 lessons. Um, They really range from sort of bite-sized, you know, a couple of minutes um, all the way through to certifications, um, which can take anywhere between eight to 10 hours. And you actually get like a certification at the end of that um so yeah it's an extension of our sort of commitment to learning bringing people on that journey with us um and as you said you you, it's great to hear you're starting a course already there's about sort of 12 courses that that people um can do
0: yeah oh it's it's great content and then you've got world world cert week coming up can you tell us a bit about that
1: Yes, we are very excited for World Certification Week. So um, this is taking place next week. So please mark your calendars from the 2nd to the 6th of August. um, We are essentially inviting, you know, learners and professionals from all over the world to dedicate some time to themselves and their careers and at the same time support a good cause, which is to really support the um, accessibility of education. So what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Well, if you take one of our academy certifications next week, um, you can start it now, but as long as you complete it and do the exam next week, um, for every certification that is completed uh, from Australia and New Zealand at least, we will be donating $5 to the Go Foundation. Uh, if you haven't heard of the Go Foundation, they are an amazing organisation um, dedicated to creating pathways and systems for Indigenous youth to help them successfully transition from school to university, uh, all the way through to, you know, the workplace as well. Um, we know that education is such an important aspect of closing the gap. Um, according to closing the gap themselves, um, when basically the employment gap uh, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians um, narrows when we improve education. It's a no-brainer, right? Um, Mm. But unfortunately, you know, we're still seeing um, a gap in education. We know that only about 62% of Indigenous Australians will finish year 12 compared to, I think it's 86% of non-Indigenous. So, you know, we are still seeing a gap um, and Foundations like the Go Foundation are doing an amazing job at closing that um, through scholarships, um, through leveraging ecosystems that include, you know, companies and universities to really help students, you know, um, complete school, go through to uni and and find a place in the work uh, workforce. So. Every certification that's taken, we donate $5 um, to that course. So we're pretty excited to support the Go Foundation, not just in this capacity. We're we're currently working through how we can support them um, through some internships for their students um, and also volunteering opportunities for HubSpotters. So it's just the start of a partnership we're pretty excited about. So, yes, if you're interested in carving out some time for yourselves um, to upskill but also, you know, donate to an amazing cause, definitely go to worldcertweek.com.au. You'll find all the information about the campaign um, as well as some of the courses we recommend you taking and just to help people actually you know carve out that time you can sign up to some live online classroom training where our very qualified um, uh, classroom trainer will actually take you through in a more of a classroom environment um, some of the certifications so you know you can literally book out time and when you get to the exam I'm sure uh, Casey who's running them will, will happily give you some pointers if you get stuck in the exam.
0: And and this is all this is all free, right? All the yeah. certifications, everything's free. free. Yeah, you get, you yeah. get HubSpot yeah. donate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's incredibly,
1: incredibly timely as well. You know, we're seeing such a huge trend in upskilling at the moment. I think you know, just looking at the academy data, you know, we've certified. I think about over three hundred and fifty thousand people have been certified in one of our academy courses, which is huge. Wow! Um, and we really saw a spike. Not surprisingly around the time that the pandemic broke out because i think again going back to this idea that a lot of businesses had to get online for the first time and didn't know how to do content marketing didn't know how to do sales enablement right uh, or manage remote sales teams we saw an absolute spike i think from february uh, to april of 2020 there was about 140% increase in users on the academy in australia and new zealand so wow. we've definitely seen this yeah and you know year on year the 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 number of people engaging with this content is just going through the roof, Um, specifically on topics like um, inbound marketing, uh, the social media cert and email marketing cert as well seem to be our our top three uh, popular ones at the moment.
0: Yeah. How does it feel to be part of a team that is constantly looking for ways to add more value to its customers and community? It must feel fantastic.
1: Yes. Um, yes. Very, very lucky. I think one to work at a company that has that kind of value embedded in its culture. Um, and then a fantastic uh, team of marketers who um, are, you know, they've made this particular campaign happen. They're amazing uh, if they're listening and uh, yeah, really, really proud to, to do something um, that I think is meaningful in a number of layers.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. We've well, we got a good question here from Kerry. <laughs> We're looking for a certified <laughs> up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you can I, I, there is a way to find them um, I'm a bit embarrassed I don't know I'm pretty sure you can find people <laughs> in the community group I think you have to be in the HubSpot community group to find people that are certified but a lot of people are putting these on their LinkedIn profiles um, yeah we're, you, you know we're not we're not a uni uh, certification or anything like that but I think the the certs are definitely gaining credibility you know if, if customers are using HubSpot they often want people that are certified in the platform yeah um, we're also seeing um, uh, RMIT University including Academy resources in their um, yeah. online short courses, so they're definitely being recognised as quality content. But um, yeah, I, I will try and look up how you find people that are certified, uh, so we can get back uh, get back to your it's, audience.
0: I went, I went to um, I went to a lunch at my university that I went to. Oh, it was a few years ago now, and I, I ha- happened to be sat opposite the the um, the guy that was it was his name uh, head, head of oh, some head of commu, uh, something to do with online. He was a head of online marketing, and I said, "Oh, do you do any online marketing courses in the marketing degree now?" Because <laughs> it didn't when I was there, right? And he goes, "Yeah, we we got one we got one course." I said, "Oh, that's interesting." I said, "Where do you get the content from?" And he said, "Oh, from Google." <laughs> oh wow. So, uh, so, like so i yeah. i'm I'm guessing that a lot of the content that they're getting together is a couple of years old, and then by the time that the students graduate, it's another couple of years old you know so yeah. they're graduating. Yeah, but so r m i t good on them for being on the forward foot you
1: know. yes yeah I, I totally agree i think I think that's why general assembly has done so well right i I remember when they first came on the scene, I was probably in my second job and you know still really learning about the digital space as I went, and it just was like. It was a no-brainer to do one of their 12-week courses that went through you know seos uh social marketing um attribution reporting all this stuff that was just suddenly a standard in the industry but also a little bit of a secret because the universities weren't teaching it and i think you know i think general assembly was super well primed at the time um to deliver that kind of content
0: yeah absolutely yeah i I, I mean yeah i think these certifications are great on the hubspot academy if you if you do go and take advantage of this opportunity, especially during World Cert Week, definitely um, display them on your LinkedIn profile. I think they're going to be something that a lot of employers are going to be looking for, customers are going to be looking for. That'll make a big difference. Um, yeah, sorry, you're going to say something. No.
1: Oh, just no, uh, kind of to your point, um, I think anybody that's using HubSpot looks for that because it covers a lot of our software, like how to use the software, but also a lot of it is just how to do content marketing and so on. And we've seen some really interesting use cases of customers, how they've used the Academy. Keep Cup are a great example. They completely kind of rejigged their sales process following the, you know, the guidance and the resources within the Academy and got their sales teams trained up. So, um, you know, it goes to that level of detail of like, you know, not just theory here, but like how. do we go about doing this um and i think there's some really great sort of stories of how people have used the academy content to you know actually change the way they're working and their processes internally
0: i'm I'm going to give these guys a shout out modern visual (laughs) our
1: (laughs) 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 Our partners are amazing um and yes uh tend to have a lot of uh, certifications as well
0: um okay so can you tell us a bit about the culture at hubspot i imagine it's quite unique i'd like to delve into it a bit more and perhaps if you have any if you have an anecdote or a funny story you can share with us that you've experienced since working there we'd love to hear it
1: one that won't get me fired no
0: yeah preferably um yeah i'd hate to be responsible for that
1: (laughs) it's like my last appearance on behalf of hubspot i can tell um yeah uh i mean a big topic uh hubspot's culture really um i think where to start so our founder damesh um a number of years ago actually published something called the culture code um which is how we okay. think about culture at hubspot um you know in true hubspot fashion you know we turned it into a piece of content shared it with the world and i think today it's had over five million views um i think wow. every candidate i interview references this 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 customer, uh, sorry, culture code. So um, definitely check it out for kind of more on this topic, but it says a lot for how we, we think about the culture. And within it, Damesh literally sort of says he sees HubSpot as building two products. There's the product for our customers, which is, of course, the CRM, And then there's the product for our employees, which is our culture. Um, And so a lot of thought has gone into how we think about that. Um, Learning is a key part of that. And it's also, you know, why we bring it into, you know, everything we do with our audience as well in terms of the academy and the blog, you know, always be learning is something we talk about a lot. Um, But I think something else, you know, noteworthy about our culture, a core tenant of it is actually called solving for the customer. And this really has instilled, I think, a culture of, you know, how every single person in their role can solve for the customer experience. Um, you know, we measure very similarly to a lot of other tech companies in this space, you know, our impact on customer experience by sort of key metrics like, you know, lifetime value and NPS and customer retention. Um, but I think there's a lot of like micro engagements and things that happen for customers along the way. Um, that individuals in the organization are responsible for. And when you're over 4,500 employees, you know, how do you enable that? And I think that's really building this culture of solving for the customer so everybody feels like they can make an impact. So it's a pretty sort of special place in how we think about that, you know, and um, it's really evolved recently in terms of how we think about how we work in today's world you know HubSpot recently or not too recently now but announced you know how we're going to work going forward which is a very flexible model for our employees you're either flexible which means you'll be half in the office half at home or you're fully remote or you're fully in the office and you know we very much believe that people you know should choose you know how they work best and for some that's remotely um and some it's in the office so you know it's a it's really evolved you know over time um in, in how we think about it. In terms of funny stories, I'm was, I was really scratching my head. I mean, you know, oh, typical, tech, typical tech company, ping pong tables and beers and things like that. I think something that I was talking about this with my team earlier, I was like, I think something that um, maybe a misconception that people have is, that, you know, we're this, you know, we're this, tech company, been around for 15 years. We must have amazing marketing budgets. We really, really <laughs> don't, especially in a regional marketing role. Um, we have really bad budgets, so much so uh, to the fact that that event I was telling you about, Grow, um, you know, it was kind of like, oh, it, w- it was half like an innovation push, half a try and be budget-wise, but we had to make the event cost-neutral. Like, basically, pretend you don't have a budget to run this 1,000-person event and, you know, how are you going to cover your costs? And part of that was like a small marketing team who essentially ended up being like a, a a pack of mules about to, you know, climb Machu Picchu. We were carrying everything from destination to destination. There was no agency to take our luggage or our banners or our signage or any of this stuff. So you can imagine like a small team of four people at the airport carrying. We, we literally had to work out based on each other's frequent flyer status who had like the biggest baggage allowance and, you know, got everybody <laughs> carrying everything. So you know we're we're the team that definitely has you know had to put in the, the hard work it's not this glamorous tech unlimited budget make a flashy show um yeah. So yeah i don't think many people see that side of it where we're you know up at 3 a.m dressing an event ready for the next day so
0: yeah yeah i've done plenty of that stuff i was <laughs> flying around the world doing property exhibitions for many years from <laughs> all around asia to moscow to europe to america and then a. I was it was in my late twenties, so I'd always try and sneak in like a ski trip here if I could, and just like doing all carrying everything myself so I couldn't relate completely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the, um, the not so glamorous side of events and tech.
0: But good fun though. That's where all the where all the good oh, memories come from.
1: Definitely. Definitely. In fact, our um our APAC director at the time uh was was the one kind of enforcing this rule quite a bit and we were getting ready for an event in Singapore and we forced him to come and help us actually set up and we had him sat on the floor with us like like literally putting all the lanyards together one by one for a thousand people and he was just like well this sucks and we're like yeah (laughs) yeah it does so (laughs) we'll be factoring that into our budget for the next event
0: Yeah, see, it's a bit hard to believe, isn't it, Matthew? The, the Academy courses are free. You don't have to be a, a member. To, you don't have to be a customer of HubSpot to to use them. Completely free.
1: You do not have to, not have to yeah. be a customer,
0: no. Yeah, go check them out. A lot of value there. Um I don't know if we can answer this question. Can we? Should we leave this one or not? <laughs> I can't
1: see them. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, I, I don't like this question. Um, okay. Well, there's a lot. You know, I I'm a big oh, better, sorry. I Better read it
0: out for for the podcast listeners. What ma- okay. it says what makes Subspot different to Active Campaign or Marketo?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that all, all three are quite different in that regard, you know, if you want to do feature comparisons and things like that. But um, I think a lot of what we've spoken about today is, is how I sort of think about it. You know, I was a, a marketer user for for a long, long, long time, um, you know, pretty much a power user in that product and decided to come over to HubSpot and was just blown away by how it it just kind of wasn't a known fact. It's, it's I think, becoming more known now. But we were Labeled as very simple to use, easy to use, I think is the, is the best way to describe it. We're extremely easy to use. A lot of customers that come over to us from some of those brands always say that we are <laughs> a delight to be able to use, but we also don't lose any of the power or functionality. And I think that's something that's quite special. And I think the reason we've managed to land that combination is, you know, HubSwap's really been built in house from the ground up. So the marketing hub, sales hub, customer success hub, they all work together because they've all been built from the ground up you know we're not cobbled together through mergers and acquisitions and I think that's really speaks Mm. in volumes and it's what our users see and feel when they're in the platform uh, and working across those departments you know it's not we can't just be thinking about what's marketing doing with automation and you know emails anymore it's kind of how is that feeding into sales how is customer success able to access that data to have you know more informed conversations um so yeah that's my two piece on that
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's a good answer. Um, well, Kat, look, I know it's get, I know it's late where you are. It's certainly getting late here, so we may have to wrap it there. But wrap it up there. But thanks so much for taking the time to join us. It's been really beneficial. I've certainly got a lot out of it. Um, and for guys tuning in, take advantage of World Cert Week, which starts next next week, and check out HubSpot Academy. Definitely worthwhile. Completely free, um, and you'll also be donating towards a good cause. Um, in, as part of the process so thanks very much for being here cap appreciate no, it's it it's
1: great it's a better way than i normally spend my monday night so <laughs>
0: <laughs> good to hear and everyone listening in have a great week in business we'll see you next week on monday night live
1: thank you